Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 99 of Grow Bud Yourself. We are excited for a great show for you guys this week. Uh, our guest is Dr. Allison Drazen. She's a psychotherapist uh, who works with cannabis and psychedelics in her practice. Uh, the cultivation segment features our strain of the fortnight, as well as uh, pot growing do's and don'ts and grow Q&A from you guys. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some news as well. So we've got a great episode in store for you uh all brought to you by sweet leaf nutrients excelsior extracts and prime superior inoculant uh with prime superior you can use the code ps420 for 15 percent off your order so uh without further ado why don't we take a break and come back with the show Hey, all right. Welcome back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong uh, for the incredible Grow Bud Yourself theme song. Uh, check them out on uh, social media and all the uh, Spotify's and whatnots out there. Um, DJ Jacques has a wonderful Twitch stream that you can listen to uh, where he plays a bunch of amazing reggae, hip hop, funk, soul, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, I'm on there sometimes as well, uh, gigging out, checking out the tunes. And uh, yeah, here we are, episode number 99. How you feeling? That's it's the Wayne Gretzky episode, huh? <laughs> the great one. <laughs> the penultimate episode uh, before we get to 100. So that's exciting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of news in the, uh, in the ether out there. So why don't we get right to it? Uh, what do you got for us, Mike? All right. Yeah, let's just get right to it. Um, well, let's start off with the the battle that's going on in Arkansas, of all states, uh, for cannabis legalization. So the big news there, it's good news, bad news. The uh, state Supreme Court has ordered the, uh, the state to certify a ballot initiative to legalize cannabis for the November ballot. But the big question is, will those votes actually be counted? So 193,000 signatures, almost 200,000 people uh, signed this petition to get this uh, legalization measure on the ballot. But Arkansas state officials are doing everything they can to prevent legalization from actually passing. So the state Supreme Court, they granted a motion from this group, Responsible Growth Arkansas, which is doing great work to help uh, legalize pot there. They granted a motion to expedite the case and a preliminary injunction that's going to force the state to certify the legalization measure. The Board of Elections Commissioner uh, originally ruled that the measure's title is misleading. <laughs> it was too confusing for the voters of Arkansas, essentially. And this opened up a legal challenge, and that would have taken too much time to allow for the measure to actually be certified without this injunction. So the measure is going to be certified. It will be on the ballot. But will those votes be counted? That's the question. And basically what's going to happen is it's going to play out in court over the next couple of months. And they're going, each side is going to present arguments. And the uh, Supreme Court will decide if they're going to actually count the votes. The votes are going to happen. The measure is on the ballot. So it's a very strange situation where Arkansas voters 
might cast a vote for legalization and then have that vote basically taken away by their government. So the the campaign, Responsible Growth Arkansas, said in a complaint that the Board of Elections Commissioner is thwarting the will of the people and their right to adopt laws by initiative. That power lies at the heart of our democratic institutions. The board has attacked that heart through its incorrect rejection of the ballot title. And get this, on top of that, the governor of Arkansas, one Asa Hutchinson, used to be in charge of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. And of course, he opposes legalization, and he's urging the state police to campaign against it just in case the Supreme Court allows the votes to be counted. So that's what's going on in Arkansas. Yeesh. Gosh. (laughs) It's just crazy. I mean people are voting for it, that means that's what they want. I, I don't understand these politicians that can stand in the way of the people. I mean, that's democracy. That's what we want. You know, I just, I mean, and the fact that the governor was the head of the DEA also, it's like, yeesh, man, like Arkansas. I mean, I hope people get out there and I hope they vote. And I hope the Supreme Court understands um, this is the Arkansas Supreme Court, right? right? Not the, the state federal Supreme Court. Supreme Court. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I really hope that they, uh, you know, they understand that this is what people want and they, they kind of have to accept it whether they want it or not. You know, I mean, uh, that's just the way it works. The will of the people is is the way it should be. And that's why we have the voting system and that's why we have referendums and, and things that we can vote on. And uh, clearly, marijuana legalization or cannabis legalization is popular everywhere, including Arkansas. And uh it's eventually going to happen one way or the other. They, they can only stand in the way for so long. So um, get out there and vote and make sure, you know, your vote is heard by the Supreme Court. And if uh, if they don't allow it, then you just got to keep keep fighting. You know, it's it's really uh, it's what we want. It's what uh, it's the will of the people. It's, it's democracy. So, uh, you know, it, it, we can't let the politicians stand in the way. They're the last ones to figure this out, basically. Yeah, we saw something similar play out in South Dakota, which actually passed a cannabis legalization, but the governor there uh, started a uh, lawsuit that eventually overturned that um, that ballot initiative and ended uh, cannabis legalization before it started. So let's hope that doesn't happen in Arkansas. But elsewhere... Um, Cannabis legalization, uh, a cannabis legalization measure qualified for the ballot in Missouri. So voters there will have the opportunity to legalize pot this November. And Florida is aiming for a pot legalization measure on the 2024 ballot. So that's cool. And internationally, this is interesting. um, Colombia has a new president. And he is talking uh, very positively about pot. He wants to legalize pot, free the pot prisoners, and even export cannabis to countries that have legal uh, pot laws. So that could be a a big um, economic driver in Colombia. And in Kenya, a presidential candidate is uh, is really gaining a lot of um, of popularity, especially with young voters. And he's running on a ticket that uh, is talking about legalizing cannabis in Kenya. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's two places with uh, incredible climates mm. for growing really amazing tropical cannabis as well. I mean, some of the some of the best stuff in the old days would come from Colombia. 
and some of the amazing uh, sativa dominant strains of Africa are really uh, some somewhat rare and also uh, very unique. You know, the Durban and the Nigerian and uh, hopefully now the Kenyan, <laughs> you know, I think uh, these are places that can, can, could benefit economically from it. And I think all of us could benefit from uh, cannabis grown in those regions as well. And, and concentrates that are made from them as, you know, uh, as a unique new product uh, that, you know, gr- what we do here in, in Canada with the, all these uh, grow lights and warehouses and uh air conditioning systems, it, it, it's overkill. We're, our carbon footprint is way too huge. Uh, places like Colombia and Kenya can grow uh, in greenhouses and outdoors uh, and have a really high quality product with a much lower carbon footprint, uh, which means a cheaper product and uh, in many cases, a better product. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's, uh, that's definitely good news for, for people in Colombia and in Kenya. Uh, but back in the States, this is an interesting one that I wanted to get your take on. So Cure Relief. We all know Cure Relief, a huge um, M- uh, multi-state operator cannabis company. They have been forced to remove thousands of medical cannabis products from New York dispensaries. And the reason for this is actually really interesting. So when cannabis companies list uh, THC results and other testing, they're apparently doing it by wet weight. But if you display those percentages by dry weight, you're going to have a much higher percentage. So without getting permission from the Office of Cannabis Management, which oversees uh, pot in New York State, and without telling anybody, CureLeaf just started displaying the dry weight measurements for the THC percentages in their products. And so... um, Apparently, this can result in something that might usually be a 20% THC using a wet weight measurement, then comes out as a 37% THC using this dry weight testing. So because of this, uh, uh, customers apparently were buying a bunch of this because they saw these THC percentages that were outrageously high for flour, but then they were coming back to the stores and saying, well, this, this basically had the same effects as the, the other stuff that we bought caused a lot of questions. Eventually, they figured out the Cura Leaf was using a different method for uh, for their THC percentages and were forced to remove all those products. So, yeah, what do you think here? What, what What's going on? Is this just a, a bait and switch? Well, I mean, I think either way, there should be one way of testing, and I think it should be the dry weight. I mean, that's ultimately the product that we, we're going to consume uh, is the dry one, not the wet one. Uh, and all of our testing that we've done over the years uh, for cannabis cups and different events, uh, we've always tested dry uh, product. And I think testing it wet, uh, it's going to result in inconsistent uh, results because how wet is it? Is it just freshly picked off the, you know, is it just harvested that day? Uh, has it been sitting for two or three days but isn't completely dried out? Um, I think we need to just be consistent with it. And I think all all the testing should be done on a dry product uh, because that's ultimately the product that's being consumed. Uh, And, you know, that's just for flour. And I mean, I think, you know, I would say the same thing with concentrates. It's like, you know, whatever the product is that's going to be consumed is the product you should be testing and not uh, some precursor uh, to the final product. So I think, uh, 
what it points to to me is that there just needs to be consistency. And I think I've never even heard of, of, of uh, measuring THC levels from wet weight or wet product. Uh, it's always seems to me to be from a dry product. And so I think the cannabis management is really uh, more at fault in this case than the MSO. Uh, although, you know, the MSO is, is required to go with whatever they're told by uh, management. So, yeah, it's strange. I mean, for me, I think uh, people shouldn't be buying product based on t- the, that type of testing anyway. At the end of the day, uh, a product that has 30% THC is not necessarily better than a product that has 20% THC. Uh, it's really about the terpenes and cannabinoids and and flavonoids and all the other stuff interacting. So we've talked about that a lot on the show. I'm not going to belabor the point, but uh, I just think there needs to be consistency in the testing process. And I think people need to uh, also, you know, not be buying their cannabis just based on THC percentages either. Yeah, absolutely. But that is a a conversation that is much broader than uh, we're having today. But yeah, I'm with you. I never heard of this uh, wet weight testing, but apparently that's what our um, our medical cannabis program in New York uses. So interesting. I guess Cure yeah. Relief tried to get around that. Um, yeah, let's just do one more quick one here, and this is interesting. Um, as most of our listeners probably know, um, if you're a licensed medical cannabis user, you're not allowed to buy a gun. Uh, The federal law bars marijuana users from buying guns. So the Department of Justice uh, attorneys were arguing this case. They want to continue this policy, or as a suit was brought against them to change it. And the, uh, the lawyers for the Department of Justice said that the ability to think, judge, and reason is affected by cannabis It is therefore dangerous to trust regular marijuana users to exercise sound judgment. And therefore, they should not be allowed to purchase guns. So guns for everybody in America, except cannabis users, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty wild. (laughs) That's a that's a that's a crazy one for me. I mean, I just think that's uh... I want to say that they're shooting themselves in the foot, but, uh, <laughs> but, but they're, you know, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm not a huge uh, gun person, so it's, it doesn't affect me in any kind of way, but I do know a lot of patients, uh, in many of other States and places where, uh, they have been reluctant to get their medical card, uh, for fear of having to give up their guns. And I don't think people should have to choose one or the other. Uh, we do have a right to guns in America. I do think, uh, you know, there should be maybe some type of restrictions, not necessarily, you know, uh, I, I shouldn't say restrictions, just some, some type of a li- license or course, like same as you have for fishing, you know, or driving a car uh, and, you know, things like that. Uh, but I do think that, uh, you know, we have that right and that right should not be taken away uh, because we use cannabis and think of all the other rights that could be taken away from the same, for the same reason. I mean, the, the, the reasoning is flawed that we can't make proper decisions or that, uh, can't be trusted, uh, with a gun because we use cannabis. I mean, uh, it, it's just, it's discrimination at the end of the day against cannabis consumers, uh, and patients. And, uh, it's, 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 awful and and we shouldn't tolerate it and 
we really need to vote and and uh, make sure that things like this don't keep happening. It's just uh, it's ridiculous. And I think, uh, you know, wh- whatever your feeling is about guns, uh, you know, wh- let's just call it something else. Let's call it a dr- having a driver's license. You know, cannabis users can't have a driver's license and can't drive cars because they can't be trusted on the roads. It's ridiculous. And I think, uh, you know, it's just no, no matter how you feel about the issue, uh, even people who don't consume cannabis uh, are smart enough to know that that's crazy and uh, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not a big gun person either, but there's something about hearing the Department of Justice saying that that cannabis users can't exercise sound judgment that just gets my hair up. It really bothers me. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of what's going on in the world of weed. But we have a really interesting interview coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Allison Drazen, she's a psychotherapist uh, with almost 30 years of experience. Uh, and, and she uses uh, cannabis and uh, psychedelics, uh, ketamine, uh, psilocybin, in uh, forms of therapy. Uh, and it's very effective and uh, very interesting. Uh, she also ha- is the founder of a uh, an edible company called Edaluz. So we're going to talk to her about uh, judging cannabis cups, winning cannabis cups, uh, using uh, plant and fungal uh, medicines, psychedelics, and cannabis in uh, psychotherapy uh, for couples therapy for depression, for addiction, and uh, also for end of life, for people who are actually dying and in hospice. And uh, I also recently interviewed uh, Dr. Drazen for Leaf Magazines for an article about that topic, specifically uh, um, psychedelics for the end of life experience. So a very interesting subject. Uh, Without further ado, let's take a break and come back with Dr. Allison Drazen. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweetleaf plant nutrients. Sweetleaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at Sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at Sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, we are back and we have a very special guest for you guys this week. We have Dr. Allison Drazen. She is a psychotherapist uh, specializing in mental health and uh, cannabis and psychedelics, and also the founder and CEO CEO of Edaluz Edibles, um, and also past president of the board of directors for the Center for Cannabis and Social Policy, um, an original member of Women of Weed. So, uh, Dr. Allison Drazen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure. You know, we've we've known each other for years. You've uh, you've judged and won multiple cannabis cups uh, with us. Not at the same time, obviously. You can't judge, uh, you know, when you're entered. But uh, you've done them both. You've judged um, cups and you've entered and won uh, with your edibles. Absolutely, and um, we, you know, we've been to many states and countries. You know, Absolutely. in Amsterdam and all around uh, the United States, judging the best cannabis and solvent, le- non-solvent hash. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so why don't we go back? Tell me about your your early experiences with cannabis and how you sort of got into because uh, can- you have basically three decades of uh, experience um, doing therapy. Uh, with cannabis and psychedelics, but tell me about how uh, you personally first got involved in in cannabis. Um, I have been using cannabis since I was 14 and, um, you know, been using it for for recreational adult, you know, I guess I'm an adult when I'm 14, but, you know, I was using it for recreational purposes. And then um, as I got older, I was in a car accident and I was given a lot of opiates. And um, it clouded my mind and judgment, and I switched to using cannabis. And that was the first time that I saw cannabis as medicine. And then I, um, I was a, I was, I've been a psychologist for nearly 30 years, and um, it was around the time of like 2008, 2009, when um, I was approached by a neighbor. I get a little emotional, like every time I talk about it. Um, he was dying of prostate cancer and his wife knew that I grew cannabis. And they came to me and they were like, um, he's dying, he needs something, he can't really smoke it. And they knew that I baked um, goodies every Christmas. So I um, was dating a farmer and he taught me how to make butter. And um, that was when Etta Luz was born. And one of the things that he had said before he had died, he was like, you've helped me so much. You're, you're helping me move into the next life pain-free. Um, he's like, you have to keep doing this. And so I did. And Etta Luz was born and um, I you know, developed it from the ground up and you met y'all through um, winning high times, um, 2012 and 2013 in Seattle. And then it was after that, um, my connections with Elise, uh, McDonough, um, the, you know, amazing edible guru, um, that was of high times. And she brought me into the fold of judging and that, when I would see you guys going all the different states, um, tasting all the delicious, you know, things that uh, the cannabis communities had to offer. Um, yeah. I, I, I then, um, I, I saw cannabis as medicine and I would support my, the patients that I would see in the dispensaries with choosing the right kinds of cannabis for what they wanted. I would talk to them about how that sometimes with edibles, it's not about, you know, quote, sativa, indica. Um, it's about the full spectrum. And luckily we have Ethan Russo in our backyard here in Seattle. And so I had a lot of access to him that enabled me to learn more about cannabis and um, be able to share that knowledge with other people. Yeah, absolutely. And you've actually spoken about cannabis as a health supplement. 
can you talk a little bit about uh, how you mean that to be that? For me, that sounds like, you know, I talk about this sometimes that, you know, we have receptors uh, in our bodies for cannabis and, and, and for these cannabinoids. And therefore, people who don't consume cannabis are actually deficient <laughs> in in these cannabinoids because our bodies need them. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about cannabis as a health supplement? Absolutely. I mean, I, I see it as, um, as, as something for health and wellness. Um, you don't have to be sick to use it. Um, in our practice, in our clinic, we um, support clients with um, choosing the right cannabis for their ailment as well as for health and wellness. You know, if you are depressed and you um, need something to boost that um, feeling of serotonin or dopamine, um, you're not going to want to choose something that's heavy in myrcene or beta-caryophylline or um or something, one of those heavier sesquiterpenes, you're going to want to choose something a little lighter. And so we guide our patients to choosing things that are going to um, support their well-being rather than just to get high, to get high. And um, oftentimes it's a shift. Um, there's definitely a difference between when you're sick or when you're well. You know, here in our office, we talk to people about using cannabis um, as part of their supplements whether it's as a capsule or as an edible that they might take for microdosing during the day. Um, it just adds a little spring to your step or it gives you sleep when you need sleep so that you can have a spring of your step the next day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the Institute you're talking about is the Ames Institute. Yes. Um, Advanced, Advanced Integrative Medical Science Institute. And that's here in Seattle. Right. And so you're in Washington state. Um, and tell me a little bit about like people, everyone I know from Washington state is always kind of complains about, uh, the legalization in Washington state and, and, and the differences between what happened there and some other places. I mean, obviously, you know, there's no home grow, uh, but, but, but is it just over-regulation? What, what, what are the issues that people have with, with, the the, the no law there? In all honesty, and that was one of the things I was not for 502, which is the um, initiative to legalize cannabis, um, because I didn't feel that it looked out for patients. And now technically, I'm in air quotes, we have a medical program, but all that medical program does is that you have to sign up with the state and you get 10% off of your sales, which is really the sales tax. And it's, it's ridiculous. They're, um, the bud tenders, um, some of them go through a medical consult type of program, but they really do not learn how a cancer patient coming in to their, uh, their, their dispensary, uh, they do not have the skills to recognize that if someone with an estrogen rich or like a breast cancer comes in, that person should never be having THC. They should only be having CBD. And that is because that the THC molecule carries um, the, through uh, estrogen-rich cancers, it carries um, and metastasizes more rapidly with the use of THC. So in and having this knowledge is very important. Well, these bud tenders and these dispensary people don't have that knowledge. So where's the medical program? 
uh, where's the medical program to be able to guide a particular can- cancer type client to the right cultivar um, or the right dispensary. So at our office, we actually have an in-house consultation group. Um, it's Mary Brown's group because technically, air quotes here, I am not allowed to recommend because A, I'm not a doctor. Um, I can merely suggest to people particular cultivars. But so we have Mary in our office where I work with Mary and I'll say to Mary, you know, this client has this issue. Can you please make a recommendation to her? She doesn't have a license that is on like on the line if she makes a recommendation. And so we all funnel our, you know, we make, we suggest to Mary and then Mary suggests to the client and then Mary sends the client to specific dispensaries that we have around the state who she knows has exactly what they need. And then they don't even have, they bypass the bud tenders. There is no real medical. We have to, we have to create medical um, consultations and um, sharing medical knowledge with our patients because there really isn't any, I mean, a discount. Is that really a right. medical program? Um, and right. so I, and, and at this point, you know, the state of even adult use cannabis, um, we're seeing producers and processors that are failing because of the system. And um, cannabis is going for pennies on the dollar and companies are closing left and right. Uh, I would like to say that Washington state is not the best model for, for any sort of legalization. Yeah, I mean, it sounds sort of like a cautionary tale for other states, um, for sure. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, we talked about cannabis for mental health, but you guys also uh, actually administer ketamine uh, for things like depression and anxiety and uh, addiction issues. And I would imagine uh, we, we recently spoke and uh, about uh, cannabis for end of life. I mean, I'm sorry, ketamine. Uh, and psychedelics in general for end of life oh, experiences, right? And psilocybin, uh, LSD, uh, ayahuasca. I mean, people are using these um, plant medicines. I mean, I guess maybe not so much plant medicine in the case of LSD, but um, psychedelics, uh, not just you know to expand their mind or as a party thing, but actually to sort of dissolve ego and come to terms with. Uh, you know, feelings of uh, guilt or uh, stress or uh, grief uh, or even just coming to accept end of life. So um, can you talk a little bit about what you guys do at the Institute with, with ketamine in particular and, 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 and how that works for, for people for their mental health? Um, I can, but first I'm going to talk about how our clinic sued the DEA. Um, right. That is a, um, um, something that we recently did that we sued the DEA for the under the right to try legislation for two of our terminally ill cancer patients um, to have the right to use psilocybin for end of life support. Now, when we do, um, when we have ceremonies or sessions with our clients, um, they are done with intention. So whether it's ketamine or whether it's cannabis, because we also do cannabis assisted psychotherapy, um, it's done with the same intention and it's done with purpose and there's discussion around um, how they want to feel, what they want to have happen on this journey. And now I always like to say that just because you set intentions, um, it's like your unconscious mind and your conscious mind sitting down to have dinner 
And just because your intention is on the menu doesn't mean that that they are going to order it. And so oftentimes that things may come out on someone's journey that are not what they had anticipated. But it's still amazing because then we can we can process that during our integration sessions, which is what we have after they sit for their journey. We also do that the same with cannabis. After their journeys, we do process it as well with an integration session where we bring into the here and now what came out from the session and begin to integrate that into their daily lives. Right. And so you mentioned that, uh, you know, the lawsuit itself against the DEA was for uh, the use of psilocybin, mushroom, uh, you know, fungal uh, medicine. And uh, in the the article, you said that it's a catch-22 because they are, the DEA says, oh, well, there's no studies that say that this is effective. And so we can't approve it. And at the same time, you're saying, well, we can't do the studies because it's not approved. Um, It's so ridiculous. yeah, and what's interesting is that uh, our our friends at Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps, uh, David Bronner them. in particular, yeah, what a company! You know, people always dog corporations and the whole cor- idea of corporate, uh, cor- you know, corporate takeover of this and that and the other. But there, here's a corporation where they put their money where their mouth is. Absolutely. You know, the 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 top level CEO uh, David cannot make more than five times what the lowest salary at the company is, which I think is brilliant and amazing amazing. yeah and that's not socialism he still can make a pretty penny and and he's got you know his ownership equity and all of that but um i I, you know they sponsored the protest that you guys they uh, did one they actually um sponsored um, one of our nurses as well as one of our clients that was part of the dea lawsuit to go to arlington virginia and to protest in front of the dea offices and they ended up getting arrested right Exactly. And, you know, the DEA just covers their ears. They don't want to they don't want to hear it. Um, but yeah. I think that, you know, the, the medical community is coming around. I do believe I mean, it's hard because, like you said, licenses are at stake. And, you know, but so, the, the, Hippoc- the Hippocratic Oath, you know, says do no harm. And if, if people out there are realizing that, you know, th- these if these therapies are more effective than what the existing medical community is doing, then uh, I, I do think at some point their conscience has to has to understand that you know there there are definite benefits for people's mental health um, in all these different ways. I mean, we talked about uh, depression, uh, anxiety, end of life, couples therapy, alcoholism, um, addiction to pharmaceutical drugs. These are problems. I mean, I think these problems have all gotten worse, honestly, in the last couple of years as well, because of the pandemic and because of the sort of polarization that that people are having with, you know, political issues and things. And, you know, the the whole world's kind of going crazy, right? And absolutely. I think the saddest part is, is that, um, like, we have clients that come to us that um, want to do psychedelics, but they just can't afford it. And mm. that's, that, that's the hardest piece for me when I look at an intake and I see that they have PTSD and that the best medicine that I know for them is going to be a psychedelic. But right now, ketamine is still expensive per session. Um, and, you know, you know that in Washington State, mushrooms were literally wild in parks and schools and banks. And, um, you know, people can very easily grow their own in a monotub. 
And that should be legal so people can have their own medicine. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. There, there's a piece of that that's it's very disturbing to me that um, plant-based, fungi-based medicine that grows naturally is being regulated by the government in the same way the cannabis plant um, is now being regulated. And it's a problem. It's a problem. It should be free in the same way that it should be free for people to do to their bodies what they want to do that so should those plants be free for people to be able to use them. Absolutely. Definitely 100% agree with that. I mean, I, I do think that it's going to take something like that for us to sort of evolve out of where we're at right now uh, as, a, as a society and as a, a species. I mean, we just, we need to understand that these things were, were, are here for a reason. Um, they're natural. And uh, I think, you know, they played a role in evolution, I mean that issue that I interviewed uh, you for uh, is our was our psychedelic uh, psychedelia issue of Leaf magazines, and you know there's articles in there about uh, a lot of the uh, epiphanies that that come out of uh, psychedelic use and 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 but with intention, right? Like set and setting is so Absolutely. important. And I'm going to tell you, Danny. And you're taking um, notes, right? I mean, you're like, oh yeah, you're there. We, we transcribe the entire session, everything that they, that gets verbalized, or even body movements. Um, the other piece of it is the, the music is specifically curated for each journey. You know, it's um, it it measures how ketamine goes up and it plateaus and it comes back down. There's also the music for psilocybin journeys and MDMA journeys. It's very important. It's part of the set and setting. And it's it's something that we take in, even like in our environment here, we try to bring ceremony into it. You know, I burn Palo Santo. I say a prayer um, over the space. We have um, tactile rugs on the ground. We have chimes. We have candles. Um, we, we put pillows and blankets and we really try to make it a comfortable space for people to, to let go. Um, I have to tell you, Danny, that I've been a you know, psychologist and therapist for 30 years. And this is, these are the best tools in my toolbox. I have never seen such amazing shifts in people's mind. You know, you were talking about like right now, we're kind of at this like emotional apocalypse and psychedelics are going to be what can bring us through. I have, I don't do regular talk therapy anymore because to me, it's a waste of time. I do talk therapy as part of integration, but with psychedelics, just because of the dramatic shift that I see in people and their, their affect, they, um, they brighten up, they become lighter. They, the heaviness that I would see them in the beginning sessions just dissipates. It is, it's, it's really beautiful. I've even seen people table, taper off of their SSRIs with these shifts in moods and the increase in serotonin is, it, it's dramatic, the shift. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, like I said, I think plant and fungal uh, medicine is really leading us into the future. And I think even, even plant-based diet <laughs> and all of that, I think that there's a lot that people have, uh, turn their back on in a lot of ways that we need to reintegrate and accept. And, and a lot of that has to do with uh, what plants um, 
and fungi and animals also have to teach us about life on earth and, and, and our coexistence and, and all of it. Right. That's funny that you should say that because I have, um, I have a dog and um, he comes and sits in all my sessions and people who are anxious, they connect with him when they're on their journeys. And it is so cool to see people just reach out and pet the dog. And he responds to them while they're on their journeys in a, in it's like he can read their mind when they, you know, people cry on their journeys and he'll go and he'll lick their face or lick their arms to comfort them. He will curl up a little closer to them as he sees them like going through something on their journey. And it is, it's, it's kind of overwhelming and emotional when you see them come back into their body and they connect with the dog and they really are verbalize how that he was a part of their journey. It's, um, it's one of those things that I bring him, you know, he's now considered our, our office mascot and he's <laughs> been registered as a service dog so that he can, you know, he doesn't get a paycheck. He doesn't know. That, so. but, <laughs> but he, he gets treats, right? He, gets oh treats. yeah. He gets lots of treats. Um, the funny. office staff here, they like share their lunches. They, you know, he's definitely a coworker, but it, it's, it's um, the beauty of connecting with animals when you're on psychedelics. Um, it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, home grow is something we we promote, and I I honestly believe that um, growing your own actually has a therapeutic effect as well. I mean, creating your absolutely. own medicine. Yeah, you know how creating... many people, how many farmers that I've met that when they had to stop growing because of the changes in the laws, they were depressed. You know, uh, it's people who are who have that that farming instinct, that desire, growing anything um, adds health and wellness. It's a state of mind and it's curating that little seed to something larger or even that little clone or even that little button of, you know, from the fungi. It's, it's creating something that creates pleasure in someone's life. And I firmly believe that when people aren't allowed to grow cannabis, which you know, it has secondary gain, you know, it's a plant that you can grow. And then it's also a plant that you can consume in multiple ways. And so it's, it's, I think that home grow is so necessary. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a full believer in renegade home growth, um, growing <laughs> anyway, you know, I, I still grow. I don't, uh, you know, be damned the laws. I, I feel that I should be able to grow what I want to grow. And um, I, I have a medical marijuana authorization so that it protects me. But it's, uh, I don't feel like that you should have to have an authorization to grow a plant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I call it modern day alchemy because you're just taking light, air, food, and water and creating something that's, you know, worth more than its weight in gold, obviously for, for spiritual purposes. And, and, uh, and you know, what went in the, into it, you know, what strain, if the strain is the right thing for you, you know, if it was overfed or overwatered, you know, or it doesn't have all, pesticides, pesticides, exactly. And, uh, and it's fun. I mean, it actually improves the quality of life. I mean, that's at the end of the day, what patients kind of need the most in a, in a way it's like, a distraction in, in, in many ways from um, depression and anxiety and things. It gives you a focus on something else besides the things that are, are, are um, 
the sadness that is all around us at this point in time between the news and and social Mm -hmm. media and absolutely being able to 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 watch a plant grow um because that you have have added water and you know how lovely it also is to sit in the middle of a garden and you know with a lawn chair and just kind of talk to your plants it's Mm -hmm. like there's um you're not going to get any negative feedback from your plants (laughs) they just you know they kind of just move and sway and give you if you're lucky you get a little hint of some terpenes that come your way Mm -hmm. and it's it's, aromatherapy right it's aromatherapy um it's very soothing um i it's 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 we should free the plants Yes, absolutely. Now, is that something you see in the future? Like, t- tell me, where do you see the future of uh, plant and fungal my psychedelic and future? medicine? My utopian yeah. future? I mean, that's what we're striving for, right? I mean, we're, that's we, where we're... <laughs> we have to strive for this utopian. You know, um, I, <clears throat> I would really like to see, I mean, fungi is... It, it, it grows in the ground like you know it's that, that mycelium that connects everything from the from, from trees to trees to to vines and um i just i really hate that idea of it being regulated um i've actually been working with um uh, an institute in oregon to be um uh, a trainer or an educator for their soon-to-be regulated psilocybin program and I, I don't know how free the, the mushrooms are going to be. Um, all I know is that through being an educator, I can be able to, to promote things that I've been promoting in cannabis as far as education and um, propelling the movement for freedom of plants and fungus. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Can you tell people how they can find out more about uh, you, about Ames Institute, just like websites, socials, and things like that? Um, social, I'm Dr. Allison D. Um, that's one L, Dr. Allison D. And um, Ames Institute, our web address is um, www.amesinstitute.net. And um, people can always reach out for me. I do, I do consultations for people all over the world. Um, and um, I'm at adrazen at amesinstitute.net. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Allison Drazen, for being on the show. Uh, Thank we've you been for friends. having me. It was it's <laughs> wonderful and fun to do this with you. Uh, awesome. I appreciate it. If you have any sort of final words for people as far as uh, what they can do, how they can get involved uh, and help to change the, the, these laws and, and, and create that utopic future. There's decrim nature in nearly every state. And I urge people to find their state decrim group. Um, there are, you can find them decrim nature on Instagram. But I would definitely um, seek out those through social media that are participating in freeing the plant and freeing the fungi and use your voice and speak to all of your legislatures, make those calls. And you know, another thing that I really like to do when I go anywhere, like I was just in, I was just at a wedding um, in Oregon with, you know, people that are not in the industry. I talk about it. I talk about cannabis. I talk about psychedelics because if I talk to these people and I open their minds, then they're going to go and talk to people. And if we can get initiatives in states that are our people voter initiatives, then that person had had a conversation 
and was enlightened and that they will then make the right choice when they vote. So it's about educating other people, reaching out to your friends and family, talking to random strangers. And I think that people to people having that conversation is more meaningful than anything that they're going to see that they're not connected to. Absolutely. Each one teach one, right? And uh, I should also mention righttotrysilasibin.com as well. That was the group that did the protest at the DEA office. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Allison. Uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. We'll be back after these messages. Do you want to take your cultivation program to the next level and grow higher quality, naturally healthier plants? Our new sponsor, Prime Superior, can get you there with simple, safe, and effective products. Whether you're starting with seeds, clones, or your plants are already established, Prime Superior has a product for you. And best of all, you don't have to change anything in your grow program. Just add Prime Superior. Do you want the best biological for cannabis growing? Prime Superior's proprietary strain of Bovaria bassania increases terpenes, cannabinoids, and yield. Inoculate early with Prime Superior and you will see faster germination and larger root mass, which will help you propel your nutrient uptake. Faster growth and more photosynthesis means higher yields and more terpenes and cannabinoids. Plus, Prime Superior has the world's first biological cloning honey to help improve your cloning success. Now's the time to try Prime Superior. Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the code PS420 for 15% off their entire order at primesuperior.com. So don't hesitate, inoculate, and visit primesuperior.com to learn more. All right. Welcome back. Uh, thank you to Dr. Allison Drazen for the awesome interview. Um, we are now in the cultivation segment. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, definitely a fortnight. <laughs> and yes, this is a fortnight. And yes, this is a fortnight. Strain, Strain of the, the fortnight. fortnight. What, do you yeah. got for us, uh, what do you got for us this week? Strain, Strain of, of the, the fortnight. fortnight. <laughs> Strain of the Fortnite. Oh, there's the there's so the think... song. Yeah, man. All right. Thank you, Guncha Gonzalez, for that. But uh, yes, it's definitely been a fortnight. So what do you have for our strain of the Fortnite? Okay, this one is a controversial one, uh, one that people uh, talk about a lot. Uh, it's called Runts with a Z. It's very popular. It's also... Uh, something there where, that people call other things runs a lot too because of its popularity. So um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fake runs out there too. I should say um, it is part of the cookie fam. Uh, you know the cookie empire run by Burner and uh, his cohorts. Uh, it's a cross of uh, Skittles and Gelato Thirty Three. Uh, it's uh, basically a, a, a hybrid. Um, pretty rare to find the real runts, but when you do, you'll know it uh, by the fact that it's really fruity. It's got like a real sweetness to it, like candy uh, when you smoke it. It's like sugar candy, really. And uh, you're not going to see a lot of like big buds. It's not a, a, a great yielder. I'll talk about that in a minute. But 
um, it, it grows fairly wispy. It doesn't uh, produce a lot. So uh, if someone shows you a big, you know, quarter ounce bud and tells you it's uh, it's runs, so it's probably not because uh, it tends to grow pretty 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 small uh, nugs. Basically, it's hard to really get it to uh, to grow big. Uh, it's like I said, very popular. It was Leafly's strain of the year in 2020. Uh, it's got a lot of resin when you look at it up close. Uh, very colorful, uh, lime green, uh, and even gets gets purple sometimes. Uh, so really, uh, really amazing smoke. It's like a very euphoric high, very uplifting uh, for a hybrid. Uh, definitely the the the. The smoke is very much on the sativa side of the hybrid, um, and but growing wise, it's kind of more more of an indica. It's about kind of about a sixty three day flowering time, so somewhere between uh, seven and nine weeks or so, uh, right around the eight week point. Um, if you're growing it outside, it's going to finish basically early to mid October, uh, and again, not a great yield, but what you do get is just incredible, like really sweet. Uh, it's won a ton of awards, uh, including, you know, high times cups, uh, uh, Emerald cup, uh, for, for sun grown flower in 2019, it actually won first place. Um, so it's, it's a really popular one. And, uh, if you get the real runs, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll understand why, uh, obviously, like I said, there's a lot of fake runs out there. So, uh, you really want to make sure you've got the real real deal if you get it from like a cookies outlet or something like that rather than just something in a bag uh, from like a dealer delivery service because uh, it's pretty rare to find the real cuts. There's lots of fake runs cuts out there, uh, lots of stuff that comes close but uh, isn't the real deal. So uh, yeah, get out there, get yourself some runs grind it up and smoke it and you'll understand uh, not just the flavor, um, you know, which is caryophylline dominant as the terpene, uh, but, but the high is very much uh, energizing, uplifting and euphoric. So good for, you know, uh, stress relief, uh, good for, uh, you know, mild bouts of depression and things like that. Uh, Very, very, uh, very energizing. So, uh, it's also sometimes referred to as Runtz OG, uh, and when you look at it up close, you'll see why. It's got a, tons of, of, of really greasy trichomes. So uh, that's the strain of the Fortnite, Runtz. Excellent strain of the Fortnite. Yeah, the Runtz is everywhere. Cookies fam is, is doing very well. Who knew with America's sweet tooth and all? Uh, <laughs> okay, so... Um, our listeners know that each week, Dan likes to, to present a growing tip that's going to help you become a better cultivator. So what would you like to talk about this week? Yes. So this week, I'm going to go through a series of do's and don'ts. And I'm going to start with the don'ts and give you the do's uh, for how to fix the don'ts. But uh, the don'ts are very important. Uh, you don't want to do the don'ts and you do want to do the do's. So do do <laughs> and don't don't. <laughs> Makes sense. But uh, yeah, so the first, <laughs> the first don't is uh, don't grow bad genetics. Uh, a lot of people waste their time growing out uh, strains that just aren't uh, what they want or, or what they say they are or bag seed or uh, from, not from a reputable company. 
so you know make sure uh, the the do on that side is do your due diligence figure out who uh, who the 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 good seed sales uh, companies are uh, they've been around for a while they've got good customer service they uh, respond to people's uh, queries and they have legit genetics and they do the testing way they actually grow out uh, their seeds and make sure um, there's not like hermy issues. Uh, the seeds are stable. They're what they say they are. Uh, and you know, that, that goes for whether you're growing regular seeds, feminized seeds, or, uh, auto flowers, uh, whatever it is, uh, make sure, you know, not, you're not wasting time. I mean, look for a beginner to just pop some seeds, some bag seed or some, some, uh, cheaper uh, varieties that are out there. That's fine because you're gonna uh, you're gonna learn through the process. You're gonna grow those plants out. Uh, but once once you've figured out how to uh, run a plant from start to finish, uh, you're definitely gonna want want to get your hands on some good genetics. So uh, and and if it's clones, same same thing. I mean, you got to find uh, a good nursery that has clean and uh, and legit clones. Uh, in Cali, there's Dark Heart. Uh, they are, you know, certainly legit. There's other ones out there. Uh, any clones you bring in, though, uh, make sure to quarantine them uh, for at least a, a week or two just to make sure you're not spreading any kind of uh, pests or disease. Uh, the next don't, I would say, is don't ignore pH. I find a lot of growers who just kind of assume that the pH is is where it should be and don't do the testing as often as they should or at all. Uh, you really want to test the water that the, that you're adding to the plants. You want to test the soil that the plants are in or the medium that they're in. And you want to test the water that's coming out of the bottom of the plants after they've after the water's gone through your medium. So uh, ignore pH at your own peril because you will misdiagnose uh, deficiencies where they don't exist. And you will then compound the problem by adding more nutrients where they do exist and just creating a, a more toxic soil environment or, or medium uh, rather than just adjusting the pH with pH up or pH down. Uh, so definitely do not ignore pH. Uh, the do on that is do the testing, get, you know, even the cheap aquarium test kits at a bare minimum uh, where with the droplets that you use will give you a, a decent idea if you're in the right zone. Uh, but if you can afford it, get yourself a nice digital uh, pH parts per million uh, meter that you can actually just dip into your nutrient uh, solution and it'll tell you right down to, you know, uh, 5.5 or 6.0 or whatever uh, the pH is and you can really dial it in. Uh, and when you're doing the adjustments, uh, adjust slowly and test, uh, you know, mix it all up and then test it again uh, until you get it right where you want it and then apply it to your plants and always do that after you've added nutrients as well, because they can certainly change uh, the acidity or alkalinity, which is what the pH measures. Um, don't, don't pee on your plants. <laughs> Every once in a while I get this question, uh, you know, there's urea, there's nitrogen in urea. Um, some, you know, some people will tell you uh, if you dilute your pee and, and, and put that on your plants, it's, it's a good source of nitrogen. I do not uh, co-sign that. So uh, don't pee on your plants. I don't, <laughs> it should go without saying. Uh, but again, <laughs> these are the queries and questions that I get. So 
what you do want to do is uh, feed feed the plants properly and mix in you know feeding with nutrient solution along with just plain water as well. You don't want to feed them every time you, you water. Um, and that brings me to the next don't, which is don't overwater and don't overfeed. Uh, learn to be able to lift up your, your containers if you can. Uh, if you're growing in pots, you can learn very quickly uh, by lifting them, whether they're uh, light and need watering or heavy with just the top layer uh, uh, up top is dry. You don't want to water when they're heavy like that um, because there's still plenty of water down at root level. Um, so don't overwater. Uh, that's a big one. And overfeeding is obviously a big one because I talk about it all the time. Uh, but if you have those burnt leaf tips, you know, you've overfed and you need to flush and, and, uh, resume lightly feeding. Uh, it's really, really a big problem with cannabis. Um, don't harvest too soon. Don't harvest early. A lot of people, they have this inclination once they start seeing some trichomes, uh, start to form and, and the, buds are getting frostier and frostier they they uh, prematurely harvest and uh, that's not so great you really want to let the plant go to its full fruition so what you do want to do is get a nice uh, loop or magnifying glass and really get in there close and look at all the trichomes uh, the gland heads themselves and make sure that basically the majority of them are cloudy uh, you don't want them to be see-through and clear uh, and you don't want them to be all amber either. So uh, when it's like 80% cloudy, 10% clear, 10% uh, amber, you know, that's about where you want to harvest 70%, something like that. But if you go further too long, uh, you'll end up with them being all amber. And that'll be a much more drowsy sort of lethargic high. And uh, that's when you've gone too far. So do harvest at the appropriate time within that uh, harvest window that that you have. And don't always just trust uh, you know, what the, what it says on the pack of seeds where it says 63 days, uh, that that's, you know, an average and, uh, your plants could, could have taken a little longer. There could have been a week long, uh, shock from a transplant or all kinds of things can happen that can either, uh, slow that down or speed that up. So, uh, use, you know, use your eyes and, and, and magnifying uh, glass or loop to really get in there. Uh, don't, uh, don't grow out males. I mean, uh, it's a waste of time and energy. If you're not a breeder, uh, you really don't need them. So as soon as you've determined, uh, that a plant is either male or hermy, get rid of it, uh, post haste. Um, another don't, I would say is don't transplant during the flowering period, unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, it really does set them back, uh, with transplant shock, even if you do it really gently, uh, it still takes about a week or so for the plant to fully recover from transplantation. So uh, don't do not do that during the flowering period. You can transplant during veg all you want. Uh, but once you've got the plant uh, starting the blooming and flowering period, uh, you want it to be in its final container at that point. Uh, so like I said, the do for that is do transplant if a plant is root bound uh, and in its vegetative stage, certainly. Uh, you know, the, the more root, the more fruit. So uh, bigger containers are great for that. Uh, and it's good to sort of ease your way up to a large container too. I used to tell people just plant in the large container. Uh, but the reality is uh, it's, it's better to, to plant in a small container 
uh, and then bump it up uh, as the plant, as the roots get down to the bottom of that container, bump it up to a larger one, uh, all, all throughout veg until you've gotten to flowering and then you want it to be in that final large container. Uh, don't uh, keep your lights too high away from your plants. The plant will stretch. Uh, it won't be getting enough light and uh, uh, a lot of problems arise from that. I, I do notice that a lot. People hang up a light uh, at the top of a tent and then they just let the plant grow to the light. Don't do that. Uh, it's just not enough light and uh, it really results in a lot of brand, like long internodal spacing that you don't want. Uh, the other thing about uh, uh, tiny pots, you don't want to plant in, in really small pots and leave your plant in there. I, I did mention that, but uh, you know, don't grow in really small, like one gallon containers are not going to give, give you a, a big yield uh, unless, you know, you start the flowering process a, a week or two after uh, a, a very short veg. Uh, so unless you're doing kind of a sea of green style uh, system, uh, you don't want to use very small pots. Uh, don't have low humidity. That's really a big problem, uh, particularly in the wintertime when uh, the heat that we have in our homes uh, really tends to dry out the air in your home. Uh, get yourself a humidifier, get the humidity up to, you know, 40, 50% or so. Uh, make sure you monitor that with a, a humidistat. Uh, and, you know, you want a thermometer and a humidity uh, monitoring device in your tent at all times, telling you exactly what the temperature and humidity is at all times. So you can really dial it in. Uh, low humidity will really just dry the plants out and they won't grow uh, properly. So, don't do that. And then the last don't, I would say, is don't call yourself an expert. You know, I, I try not to do this, you know, myself. It's like there's always new things to learn. And once you start thinking that you know it all, uh, that's when you're going to uh, uh, problems will arise. So there's always an, uh, different ways to do things and always new uh, new equipment that's out there, new techniques. Uh, and so, you know, anytime someone tells you, uh, you know, they're a grow master or anything like that. You know, it's, it's questionable. I mean, I've met a lot of experts and grow masters and almost all of them don't refer to themselves that way uh, because they've been humbled uh, by things that happen in the grow. So uh, always be learning. Uh, the do on that is just uh, keep your ears out there. Uh, you know, uh, if, if there's something that you can add uh, to your grow or some type of technique that you can do that'll result in, you know, 10% more harvest or 10% more uh, essential oils, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a huge uh, boost to your harvest. So, uh, you know, don't get close-minded about things and don't think that you know it all. Uh, and do, uh, do, learn and listen and uh, help others when you can as well, you know, share genetics, share information uh, and be nice, <laughs> be kind. You know, that's what this plant teaches us. So uh, even if you think someone's doing something wrong, uh, you know, don't be mean to them about it. Just, uh, you know, nudge them along. And so there you have it. Those are my, uh, my do's and don'ts for growers. All right. Yes. Very nice do-do list. 
So thank you, Dan. Good stuff there. And yes, it's time to take some questions from our listeners. Uh, if you have a question you would like answered, get in touch with us. Uh, the email is info at growbudyourself.com. So let's start off with Mike. And he writes, uh, hey, guys, uh, I live in Missouri where we can grow legally with a med card and a cultivation license. Uh, I'm growing a lemon haze strain. The trikes on my plant are also more amber on the sugar leaves. I would say only maybe 5% and hardly any on the flowers themselves. So could this be the use of the nutrients that I feed my plants? Or maybe it's the lights that I'm using. I'm using a flora grow for my flower and veg. I'm also using a purple-colored cheap LED light, uh, but they're working very well. So maybe it could be the area that I'm growing in that creates this. I'm in a 2x4 tent. I guess it could just be all of this or maybe the humidity and the lights together. Anyway, I love the show. Listen all day at work. Have a good day. Keep growing. So uh, what would you say here to Mike? Yeah, you know, it's tough to diagnose uh, without seeing the plants why you're not getting trikes on the flowers and only on the sugar leaves. Uh, certainly a cheap LED light could be a, a factor in that, obviously. You also mentioned Flora Grow uh, for your flower, but Flora Grow is for the vegging stage. So I think you, you, you could be adding the wrong type of nutrients during flowering. You want Flora uh, Bloom. You know, you want the uh, nutrients typically come either grow or bloom, uh, grow or veg being during for the veg stage and bloom or flower being for the flowering stage because the plant has different requirements in those two different stages. So uh, I think the combination of the lights, uh, the nutrients, and uh, you, you mentioned humidity as well. I mean, if it's too dry, uh, that could be a, a, a serious issue as well. So I would say... Uh, get a better grow light, get, uh, and it could be led lights. I mean, there's great ones out there now. Um, but get a better one. Uh, you don't want a really cheap colored one. Uh, or you said, uh, let's see here, purple colored, cheap led lights. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you think it's cheap, then, you know, it, that, might, that could definitely be playing a role. Um, so I would say dial in the newts, uh, get a better light, and certainly monitor temperature and humidity, and uh, you should be able to get the trikes to grow on the flowers. Uh, the other thing is could be genetics. Um, so uh, you said it's lemon haze. Haze also takes a longer time to flower, so you're not going to see uh, trikes uh, in the first couple of weeks or so of the flowering stage so much. Uh, but because you have them on the on the leaves and not on the flowers, that does seem a little weird. I think that that's probably an issue with the lighting. So uh, boost up your lights, and I think you will see more glandular trichomes. All right. There you go. Hope that helps you out there, Mike. Uh, let's move on to Sticky Stevo. Hmm. Uh, he writes, Danny and Mike, where have y'all been sneaking off to? Even a week without leaves me yearning for learning. Fair point. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> True. Yeah, sorry. We're, you know, summers, summers are tough. You know, there's a lot of travel involved. We're working on a magazine as well and um, trying to put together some grow classes that we're going to be doing. So, yeah, we have been spacing the episodes out a little bit. I think after uh, episode 100, we're going to try to get back onto a, uh, a weekly schedule. Uh, but, you know, August is kind of the doldrums of uh, 
of everything. You know, everyone's on vacation. Everyone's taking some time. Uh, so yeah, we, <laughs> we apologize, but hopefully, uh, uh, we won't be shutting down for, for <laughs> weeks at a time. Yeah, we'll be getting back to it. Uh, but okay, so let's get to Sticky Stevo's issue here. It's a bit of a longer one, so I'll just dive in. Um, he writes, I've been able to sprout quite a few seeds when I initially had horrible luck. Now I have six plants in various stages, and I need some help in an area that I thought would be easier. I used to clone houseplants with my mom, but now I can't seem to clone my growing mama, which is a laughing Buddha. I'm slicing six inch or so size branches, those are the children, uh, trimming them up, and a few I've dropped into clean water. Others I put in a bucket, which is aerated by stone and sprayed by pump. I've tried adding a touch of flowering newts to the water, and so far, nothing. Uh, next, I'll try some clone honey from a Prime Superior sample sent to me with a recent order. Uh, not sure if you have any super tips on that, but either way, I'll keep plugging along. And while I'm waiting to figure out my cloning, my mama is growing bigger and bigger. So she's in a six-gallon auto pot drinking filtered water through a 50-50 mix of Fox Farms, Happy Frog, and Ocean Forest. I've added Recharge weekly, and now I'm adding some Prime Superior Drench. Uh, while I have a better light for flowering, I'm using an old, I think he means to say blurple LED with flower options switched off. Uh, so okay. how do I keep her happy but slow down her growth? Maybe I put her in too big of a pot. I'm thinking eventually those newts will run low. Uh, other than what I'm providing, is there any organic I should add now and then? My local hydro shop suggests Gaia Green Organics, but I believe their stuff contains bone meal and blood meal. I'm not sure if I should avoid that or not, but I seem to remember previously trying to actively stay away from those two. Uh, thanks for any help you can provide. So, yeah, what would you say here to Sticky Stevo? Yeah, so as far as cloning tips, um, it sounds like what you're what you're doing is cloning in uh, in a bucket with. Uh, you know, with aerated water, uh, which is good and it should work pretty, pretty well. I mean, within seven to 10 days, you should see roots coming out of the bottom, uh, of those cut ends of your clones. Um, I think maybe if you add a humidity dome, uh, that can be very helpful. Uh, clones really love high humidity, you know, closer to 80%, uh, relative humidity is good, really good for clones. Uh, you said you added a touch of flowering newts to the water. That's you know, it's always good to have uh, uh, a mild nutrient solution in there as well. Uh, the clone honey from Prime Superior really works well. Uh, I've been using it myself, and uh, it is amazing. Uh, I you know I think uh, the best thing you could do is dial in the pH of the water for sure. Uh, make sure that it's not like way off, high or low. Uh, I guess for, for that type of hydroponic cloning, you want it to be around, I would say 5.8 or so slightly on the acidic side. Um, and, uh, and try, try using some type of a humidity dome on top, uh, to add humidity, uh, at, uh, at the, at, not at the cut end because there's plenty of uh, humidity down there. Uh, but at the leafy side of your clone, uh, the upside, um, if you can create a bit more humidity, I think uh, I think you should have better luck cloning. And as far as keeping uh, a mother 
from growing too quickly. Uh, so, you know, a six gallon pot is pretty big. Um, you could, you know, repot into a smaller pot uh, or uh, just take more clones more often or kind of like a bonsai. You can just um, clip it uh, more frequently. It'll become more bushy, but it won't, uh, it will slow down the growth. It won't grow as, quite as, as big if you do that. And you'll have plenty of extra clones uh, as well. You can share those with people. You can compost them, whatever you need to do. Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, you know, with that, with a, just a cheap uh, LED light, it shouldn't be growing uh, that huge. And it might just be that it's not getting enough light and it's stretching. So uh, maybe you want to uh, replace the light as well. Um, as far as the organic food to feed the plant, if you're looking to stay away from bone meal and blood meal, I would say uh, maybe you're also trying to stay away from uh, guano. Uh, those are all kind of, you know, the the animal-based products, but there is uh, liquid seaweed and uh, compost teas that are organic and not animal products that you could use. So I would say uh, brewing your own compost tea is a very effective and affordable thing you can do. Uh, and if you want to use guanos, those are great. Seabird guano, bat guano, um, those are great organic additives. And then liquid seaweed uh, is a, a wonderful high nitrogen uh, organic thing that you can give your mother plants all the time. It's hard to overdo it with that. Um, just make sure to dilute, uh, your nutrient solution and you'll be good. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that helps and, uh, you'll get your moms and your clones working for you. Indeed. All right. So thank you, sticky Stevo. Uh, we have time for maybe one more here. So Let's do this. Uh, it comes from Buzz in Illinois, and it's interesting because um, we started to see these these photos crop up on social media where there'll be a nug with a little bit of what looks like oil in the middle. So Buzz writes, um, hey, Danny, I've been growing on and off since the 70s, and I don't recall ever seeing something quite like this. And he sent us a photo. Uh, he says, note the shiny gold amber globule about the size of a grain of rice. It's very pretty, but I have no idea what it is or uh, how it forms. More importantly, can I smoke it? Can you shed some light on this glowing mystery? So, yeah, what do you think here? What would you say to Buzz in Illinois? Yeah, um, it's a strange phenomenon. I'm looking at this photo, and it does have sort of like a, a, a glob of, of what looks like uh, resin uh, it could be a, a collection of glandular trichomes that sort of form together into a larger glob. Uh, it's kind of tough to say from the picture. Uh, but like I said, I have seen this strange phenomenon. Um, it does look like a pretty frosty nug. So that's a possibility. Uh, as far as smoking it, I'm not really even sure. Uh, I think I'd have to see it in person and really take a closer look, uh, smell, uh, it does look like basically it's just a natural occurring, uh, uh, oil, you know, collection of essential oil, uh, which should be okay to smoke. But again, I would need to, uh, inspect it myself, uh, personally <laughs> before I could tell you to smoke it. Cause, uh, it's possible that it's something that, you know, was, uh, sprayed onto there or somehow, uh, so, you know, some, something got onto the, the flower that, uh, that shouldn't be there. So, uh, but it does look fairly natural to me from the, from the pic. So, uh, I don't know if I can shed light, uh, 
on this mystery, but uh, maybe you could <laughs> send me the send me a nugget that, like this in the mail, and uh, and I'll uh, I'll be a guinea pig and 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 figure out uh, if if that's a smokable product or something you should get rid of. There you go, Danko taking one for the team. All right. Uh, Thank you, Buzz in Illinois. Thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. Uh, If you have a question you would like answered, get in touch with us. That email is info at growbudyourself.com. And the fun does not stop here. We're going to do a question over on Patreon about uh, diagnosing some plants that seem to be dying, some hydro plants that are in trouble and need Dan's help. So join us uh, on patreon.com slash Danny Danko for that. Uh, What do you say we take a very short break, come back, and wrap this one up? Let's do it. Hey, guys. I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R. E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I want to thank Dr. Allison Drazen, Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, uh, you can use the code Danko15 for 15% off. Uh, if you join our Patreon page, uh, you can actually get up to 20 or even more uh, percent off of uh, everything at sweetleaf.com. And that's sweet with a U uh, S U I T E, like a hotel suite. Uh, I want to thank Excelsior Extracts, their THC infused pain relief rub. Contact them on Instagram to find out more about that. And uh, we love you, Elaine and Tommy. Um, I want to thank Prime Superior Inoculant. Uh, The code for Prime Superior is PS420 for 15% off of their products. And uh, you can learn more about their products on episode 91 when we spoke with uh, Dr. Paul Rushton and Todd Young of Prime Superior. Uh, They have an amazing uh, cloning honey. They have uh, a soil drench that just works wonders, uh, and uh, some great products, uh, inoculants that uh, you can use all the time, and that uh, really do green up your plants and keep them real healthy, uh, protects them from all kinds of maladies. So, uh, thank you to Prime Superior. Thanks Excelsior. Thanks Sweetleaf. Um, thanks to you guys for supporting us, our, our YouTube uh, subscribers, our Patreon supporters for sure please join us there you get a bunch of free stuff if you join uh even at the four dollar and 20 cents a month level uh i'd love to see more people join uh every month you know we gain some people we lose some people but uh i'd really love to have that be uh a, a growing community so please join us at patreon.com slash danny danko um i want to thank mike my co-host and uh and producer 
And uh, thank you guys all for listening, man. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We've come a long way uh, now with uh, 99 episodes of Grow Bud Yourself, over 100 of episodes of the, the old podcast since 2011. And uh, we love bringing you guys this information. We really do appreciate all of you listening, uh, whether you're um, in your trim room trimming up some plants or in the grow room or or on a treadmill or wherever you might be. Uh, we really do appreciate the, your support. Uh, please support our sponsors. Uh, and yeah, just, you know, we, we love you guys. So, uh, so stick around. We're going to come back with episode 100. Uh, so please be on the lookout for that and uh, share the show, share it with your friends. If, if we've helped you grow, uh, help us grow. And uh, we will all, grow bud ourselves together and uh we will overgrow the world with this wonderful amazing healing flower called cannabis so uh i guess without further ado why don't we uh put this one in the books 